everybody. Welcome to the first edition of Climate Tuesdays. We have an awesome episode coming up for you. First up, I'm going to break down a little climate news. U.S. lawmakers have reintroduced a bill that would force crypto miners to disclose emissions. You know that this is near and dear to my heart. And we do a quick climate startup of the day, a company that I love. Block Power just raised $155 million to turn buildings into Teslas and train workers for the green economy. We're going to break down that business. And then we've got a great climate interview with you with a climate unicorn. Kieran Batraju is CEO and founder of Arcadia. We're going to get deep on clean energy arbitrage, community solar, how to make a crap ton of money doing this. It's a great conversation about a fascinating business and a great episode. Stick with us. This Week in Startups is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. A business is only as strong as its people and every hire matters. Post your first job for free at linkedin.com slash twist. Linode, apply to Linode's Rise program for founder-led early stage startups and get a $500 credit, up to $120,000 in infrastructure credits in year one, cloud consulting, and so much more. Apply at linode.com slash twist. And Fennel, make investments that make a difference. Fennel is an investing app that gives you over 200 ESG metrics and information about past and upcoming shareholder votes so you can manage your portfolio and your impact. Join the Fennel waitlist now and get your first month free at fennel.com slash twist. All right, let's start off Climate Tuesday with some news. Now, you know, you've probably heard me say that I have in the past tended to think of crypto and Bitcoin in particular as my enemy, as somebody who cares about climate solutions. And apparently, I'm not the only one who feels that way. U.S. lawmakers have reintroduced a bill that had been previously proposed that would force crypto miners to disclose their emissions. Right now, we don't know like a ton specifically about how much of an impact miners really have on greenhouse gas emissions, but there have been attempts to quantify the amount of energy usage, which will often lead to quotes like as much energy as the country of Belgium sort of things. Or uh, there was research from the University of New Mexico published recently that said that um, Bitcoin When you assess the climate cost of it as a commodity, as a portion of its overall market cap, caused effectively close to as much damage as the entire value of the market that it supports. Um, It's actually in the category of beef when it comes to how much energy it uses and how much damage it can cause. And that's because, of course, as we've talked about, the way that proof of work mining works, it requires massive massive amounts of energy, huge electricity expenditures to participate. And there have been attempts to deal with this in various ways. We talked, of course, about Ethereum moving to proof of stake instead of proof of work, which dropped its energy usage by like 99%. But you're still seeing a lot of energy usage. And so the Crypto Asset Environmental Transparency Act was first introduced back in December. And the reintroduced version is pretty similar to the one that was introduced then. It would mandate the Environmental Protection Agency to conduct a study on what impact miners using more than five megawatts of power have on greenhouse gas emissions. So not just their actual energy usage, because that has been somewhat easy to refute by saying, oh, well, we you know mostly use hydropower or we can situate ourselves next to a solar installation and use renewable energy. They're saying, okay, 
we want to talk overall about greenhouse gas emissions. It would also require the miners to disclose information about the emissions. There is a hearing uh, apparently coming soon on the environmental impact of crypto mining. And so that's why this bill is being reintroduced. It was penned by Senator Edward Markey, Democrat of Massachusetts and Representative Jared Huffman of California. In a statement, Senator Markey noted that the pollution generated by the crypto mining industry is growing. He also said, quote, while we're working together as a nation to face down an existential crisis that puts the health and safety of our people and our planet in jeopardy, crypto miners are sucking megawatt after megawatt from our public grids and emitting skyrocketing greenhouse gases just so they can make a buck for themselves. (laughs) Typically restrained language from Senator Markey there. We can't afford, he said, to let this industry run roughshod over our communities any longer. He also noted that several other senators have asked ERCOT, the Electric Reliability Council of Texas, about the impact that crypto miners have had on its energy grid. You you may remember that ERCOT has had a lot of power outages during extreme weather in Texas, and there have been sort of varying reports. Some people had said that crypto mining might be partially to blame because of the increased energy usage and stress on the grid. Uh, Miners pushed back and said that they actually reduced their usage during times of extreme need. And so they actually helped the grid. But you do see a lot of, you do see a lot of states that are attempting to revive their fossil fuel industries, specifically around coal, um, try to attract Bitcoin mining by saying, we have all this cheap power for you. So I have long thought that this was a conversation that was not going to go away. That seems to still be the case. And I think once you started to have Ethereum make a huge shift to a different kind of mining that was not so energy intensive, it just turned the spotlight right back around onto Bitcoin and that type of mining. So it'll be interesting to see if that goes anywhere. All right, let's do a quick climate startup of the day. This is actually one of my favorites. I've been talking to Block Power for years. It's the Brooklyn-based climate tech company. Block Power has raised $155 million from investors like Kimball and Christiana Musk, the NBA player Russell Westbrook. Block Power is a super interesting company that's trying to make cities more environmentally friendly. In fact, the CEO, Donnell Baird, is somebody I've talked to a lot. His Twitter handle for a long time was turn every building into a Tesla. He's a big proponent of electrification. And what Black Power has done is initially where they started was identifying buildings that were eligible for an energy retrofit and would work with cities and banks to finance and build and retrofit existing real estate with more energy efficient, either heating and cooling or even just windows or, you know, reflective paint, um, things like that. On top of that, Black Power has this really cool job training program. They hire people to sort of broaden the green workforce because what you will find if you're trying to decarbonize your house or your office building is that it's really, really hard in some cases to find people who know how to do this. It's hard to find installers and contractors and people who can evaluate all the options create a package, help you with all the rebates that are available, especially now since the Investment Reduction Act has passed. Black Power focuses on areas like heating and cooling systems and in recent years transitioned to residential. They say they've completed energy projects in more than 5,000 households, commercial buildings, and houses of worship. Right now, 
its most high profile project is in Ithaca, New York, where it's actually trying to make the city, the city, the municipality of Ithaca wants to be the first to become fully net zero. So Block Power is engaged in this project that will electrify a thousand residential buildings, 600 commercial buildings. And it's all of that is just the first phase of this total building inventory of 6,000 buildings in Ithaca. I'm in my mind right now, as I'm saying this, I'm picturing like a little green spot in the clouds above Ithaca. The reason that I'm imagining a little clear skies above Ithaca is because building use like direct energy and electricity use makes up 38% of greenhouse gas emissions in the United States, according to the U.S. Green Building Council. This includes power use for water, space heating, lighting, obviously heating and cooling, and in some cases, the building process itself. People often refer to this as the built environment and trying to create massive electrification around that, powered by increasing renewable energy, is a huge deal. Block has uh, its total capital raised today is more than $250 million. And let's talk for a minute about the workers in the green energy field. The company's Civilian Climate Corps, they call it, was awarded a two-year, $108 million contract from New York City last year to train 3,000 city residents for clean energy jobs. So this latest funding, of course, will also help broaden the workforce initiative. Black Power wants to focus on hiring at-risk people in vulnerable communities. I love this company. I've been following them for years. Congratulations on the raise. You'll love to see it. Okay, now to today's This Week in Climate Startups interview. We've got a great one up for you. Kiran Batraju is CEO and founder of Arcadia, joining to break down a climate unicorn. That's right. These companies can get really big. We're going to go super deep on clean energy arbitrage. It's a super interesting conversation about a fascinating business and getting clean energy built everywhere. It's just, you're going to love it. Here it comes. Stick with us. I can't believe this. LinkedIn has 875 million people using the platform. The march to a billion continues for LinkedIn. And uh, listen, there's been a lot of layoffs in tech. People are getting fit. And so what that results in for startups and medium-sized companies is there's an insanely large number of qualified people on LinkedIn right now looking for their next gig. And there's a lot of jobs out there. It's almost like a draft in the NBA if you just said, hey, half the players in the NBA have to play on a new team next year. Well, your team might be the beneficiary of all this new talent on the market. So it's time to get engaged. It's time to find who could be your next all-star on your team. And here's what you do. You go to linkedin.com slash twist, T-W-I-S-T, and you can post your first job listing for free. That's it, linkedin.com slash twist. They also, just so you know, have some brilliant features over there at LinkedIn Jobs. One of them you may have seen, the purple hiring ring on your profile photo. What does this do? It tells your network and your expanded network that you're in the market to hire people. And uh, I've done this for launch for inside.com. And I found my best people on LinkedIn jobs, hands down. It's the greatest platform for hiring ever created in the history of humanity. So go find those amazing candidates right now. Post your job for free, linkedin.com slash twist. That's linkedin.com slash twist to post your first job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. Kiran Batraju is the CEO and co-founder of Arcadia, a climate technology unicorn. Welcome to This Week in Climate Startups. Great to be here. Um, so tell me, for those who are not familiar, in your own words, because you're in a bit of a complicated space doing a couple complicated things, give us the like high-level 
what you're doing. Yeah. So Arcadia is an energy data platform. Uh, we unlock all of the geographically limited monopoly utility data that is, you know, all around the world across tens of thousands of utilities. Um, we plug, we, we uncover that data for companies, uh, in new energy companies or carbon accounting or, uh, all sorts of different sort of use cases. And that data is sort of, you know, it, it's, it's incumbents that, uh, don't really have an incentive, frankly, to make it easy for, uh, you know, companies to actually get access to the different, um, you know, energy usage data, tariff data, cost data of how energy is priced, uh, and then payment details as well. And so our platform uh, now operates across the world, across 10,000 utilities. Um, and we make it super simple for anyone to, to get data from that incumbent utility, no matter where they may be. Um, break down again, you went by yeah. that pretty quickly, break down again for me, what types of data and why it's valuable? Yeah, of course. So let me talk a bit about the problem. So utilities, um, you know, are the worst. Uh, they're special. <laughs> they're special dinosaurs, they're special. as I like to they're put special it. Dinosaurs. Um, so, you know, public private entities that are geographic monopolies, right? That's a structure that's persisted for a century. And so what that means is there are these little fiefdoms, right? But it is, you know, trillions of dollars of infrastructure. That is the meters, the wires, frankly, the bills you and I pay. And we joke mm -hmm. in the office as death taxes and power bills. It's basically something every, every person in business will pay. Mm -hmm. um, and so within the utility, there's, there's a ton of rich data that is, we, we've sort of put in three buckets. One is usage, how you use energy throughout the day. Historically, um, there's a lot of rich data that lives within your utility account that we unlock. Um, even on time payment history to help underwrite customers. Mm. The second bucket is rates and tariffs. So power is not the same uh, cost throughout the day. There are things called demand charges. There are weird taxes. Um, tariffs are wildly complex, um, maybe purposefully so. Sometimes when we see how these proceedings go down, you really, you really wonder if they're just trying to make the most complex thing uh, under the sun. But these tariffs we normalize through a single API, we unlock for companies that need to understand, um, for example, how to size a solar system, when to discharge my battery, when to mm -hmm. charge my EV. And then the third bucket is payments. Um, so, you know, that payment relationship and being able to understand costs, transact, manage a single bill for energy services, those are the three sort of big buckets of data. Uh, and as you can imagine, the applications sort of run across all of electrification. And I think that's what makes a business like, uh, so interesting and exciting is we operate and our customers we serve are across rooftop solar, community solar, which we're the largest player in, in the US, um, energy storage, electric vehicles, electric vehicle charging, retail energy, um, and even carbon accounting. Uh, is it one of the fastest growing parts of the business today? I would imagine, yeah. yeah. Um, but draw that bright line for me about how it enables, for example, the development of renewable energy, development and deployment. Like, where does this where does this data company become a climate solution company? Yeah, definitely. So I'll go back a little bit. So I uh, this is my second startup, and the first company um, we would go to buildings, try to make them more efficient, 
save them money. Um, and through that whole process, it was sort of this realization that you can't actually deploy infrastructure. You can't actually deploy new energy solutions unless you understand the, the raw data of how a business or a customer is using energy, what it costs, um, you know, all this rich data from the incumbent. There are a lot mm-hmm. of similarities to what we're doing between what we're doing and what's happened in the world of fintech. Mm-hmm. Um, Plaid is a great example. Twilio, another one for sort of, you know, communications, programmatic communications and connecting to telephony and SMS. But in, in the payments world or in fintech, if you want to connect to the incumbent, if you want to understand my checking and savings account, there needed mm-hmm. to be a pipe. And there's so many of those companies, a single API makes it really simple, right? For you right. to build your business. Got and it. So that I learned that hard lesson through, a, through my first startup uh, <laughs> to come here and realize if we're actually going to deploy DERs, distributed energy resources, mm-hmm. new clean energy solutions, energy efficiency, um, yeah, someone had to unlock the incumbent effectively, the, the, old, the old dinosaur. And there have been attempts at this in the past, like during the Clinton administration, there was a thing called the Green Button Initiative, uh, where they said, hey, utilities, like it's time to finally, uh, you know, uh, the public has basically paid for all these meters through rates. It's time to unlock the data. And there's like five utilities that have effectively done that in mm-hmm. two decades. And so we took a, a page out of a playbook that, again, you know, you've seen in other parts of of uh, the you know the tech industry where if we can build a simple API solution, unlock that data, people can build all sorts of new value, deploy uh, new infrastructure. And so I think one of the more exciting things in the journey has just been, um, you know, I fundamentally believe that this software opportunity around data is the biggest opportunity in mm-hmm. energy because uh, you know if we do our job right, we see a huge acceleration in the deployment of new clean energy solutions and products. Yeah, I mean, I think these are such interesting solutions because they sort of sit at it's it's literally the the interconnect, which is yeah. already an energy term, but it's you know the ability to say. If I am going to create a new renewable energy development, I'm going to build a huge solar farm. Like I'm going to simplify it even more. I'm going to build a huge solar farm. I need to know who needs energy when, what demand there's going to be, when I should deploy it so as not to pay the highest rates or not cost my customer the most. And all of that is literally like, you just can't do that unless you know how utilities work. Totally. And, yeah. and I'll give you I mean, yeah. some examples of this that are, you know, in my last company, and you see this still with a lot of companies today, a lot of this is estimates or manual work. Yeah. Right. It's, um, you know, the energy efficiency company manually reading bills to understand how you use energy, what your yeah. tariff structure is, how much am I actually going to save you to create a proposal? Um, you know, almost 5 million rooftop solar proposals went through our tariff engine last year, as an example. If you install a battery and you want to know when to discharge it for the most value and when to pull power for the most value, you need to understand tariff structures. Um, For our community solar business, if you want to connect a customer, don't want to ask for a credit score because it's regressive, you can actually get on-time utility bill payment history, which is an amazing indicator of if you're mm-hmm. going to pay the next power bill, 
to help underwrite a customer. And so there's just so many, to your point, um, you know, if you really want to deploy a solution and make it bankable, understanding that data of how you use energy at the core uh, system of record, which is the meter that the utility owns, that's, that's incredibly valuable. So now speaking of valuable, I feel like the one and a half billion dollar valuation question is, how did you get the util- utilities to give up this data? Yeah, I mean, the, the honest answer is, um, we didn't, we went through the customer. Mm, um, okay. And so it's a, and I would say like, you know, things have changed pretty dramatically in the, the eight years we've run this business. Like, um, you know, the first year in, there was one or more cease and desist letters uh, saying, you know, stop what you're doing. But I will say like, there's sort of two buckets of utilities. There's ones that understand the future that they're about to go into that have progressive leadership. And there's others that, um, you know, they're older dividend stocks, older leadership that, um, that doesn't see the need to, to put in this new infrastructure, a new sort of pipeline of data. That being said, we get data customer permit permission through the customer account. Okay. And that could be, you know, a big customer like a, a REIT or a real estate company, or it could be you, right? Um, that's connecting your online utility account to us and allowing us to pipe all of that data. Um, and there are some instances now, I will say in the last few years, where we have set up direct API integrations with big investor-owned utilities. And it's exciting. And we're going to be doing a lot more of that. Um, but I think we kind of had to prove it and prove the necessity and prove why mm-hmm. customers wanted it uh, to, get, to get utilities on board. Sometimes we get a partner where the offer is so amazing. I don't even need to read you the ad copy. I just read you the benefits. So here it is, folks. Linode has a startup program. They call it Rise. And it offers more than just free credits. Startups can get up to $10,000 per month in year one credits. So that's important, right? Followed by 50% and 25% discounts in each of the next two years. And there are no caps. You get lifetime discounts based on usage. Free, 24 Seven day a week, 365 day a year award winning customer support via phone, email, or social media. There are no tears, there's no handoffs, they're gonna treat you right. Cloud consulting from experts to ensure your tech stack scales seamlessly and community. Connect with other program members, alumni, advisors, and more. Linode cares about startups, that's why they created the Rise program. And shout out to Linode, which was acquired by Akamai last year. With Akamai plus Linode, you also get access to leading security and CDN solutions, content delivery networks. If you're cost sensitive, but you want amazing hosting solutions, Linode is the answer. So visit linode.com twist and get $500 in free credits immediately. And you can also apply to their startup program, Rise. And again, Rise members will receive up to $120,000 in free infrastructure credits during their first year and up to 50% discounts after that. Well done, Linode and Akamai. So then tell me how these become products. So you're built on two separate business units, Arcadia and Arc. Can you break down sort of what those are and like why, you know, I, the the individual might want to connect to the system and give you my data? Yeah, yeah. So Arcadia is sort of, uh, Arcadia is the company. Arc is the the data platform for... um, you know, let's say software developers or, um, you know, larger companies like Ford to access the the raw data I described, energy mm-hmm. usage, rates and tariffs, or payment information. Um, so ARC is a series of APIs. 
And I think what's really interesting, and we're seeing so much more of this, maybe see even some of the companies you're looking at, is we have large enterprise companies, big energy companies like Anji and Sol- you know, um, companies like Ford and uh, Rivian and EVgo. But we also have a lot of like, you know, software engineers who've left Fang who are looking to start their climate tech and they company and they just come pick up an API and start building. Hmm. Um, so that's, that's our, um, we actually started, um, so when I started the business, you know, it was this big idea, unlocking this data is going to unlock millions of new innovators. Uh, and it was kind of crickets because at the time it was like Nest, Tesla, there just weren't that many. I mean, it's kind of amazing how far we've come in, in like eight years Yeah. in terms of like new products, new solutions. And so um, we went really deep in the community solar market because it was the one place we were seeing just fast moving water and they needed it all. Uh, and community solar is for those that don't know, it's not on a roof uh, connected to your home. It's in a field, right? Or it's mm-hmm. far away. But to monetize it, to provide savings to customers, you need energy data and you need billing. So it needed the whole platform. And so we went really deep uh, in community solar we're the largest manager of these assets in the country uh, with when over... you say manager do you mean you own and operate like did you actually develop no. them so okay. so we work with over 50 different solar developers uh, sometimes it. it's big private equity funds sometimes it's a, a small shop that's mm-hmm. building owning the project and then they come to us and they say hey we need you to, uh, we need your platform and we need you to we also do some customer acquisition too under their Acadia brand we need you to get customers and manage the bill, the credit for 25, 30 years for the life of the project. Yep. Um, and so we're the software layer to monetize their asset. And that was, that was like the first vertical, right? It was like fastest growing segment of solar in the US. Honestly, one of, it makes more sense than rooftop solar. Not everyone has a roof. Um, this I feel every- like too, this is where it might be a good idea for us to step back and sort of explain how renewable energy works at the electron level right because i think that people are under the impression that well the deal is you put rooftop solar on the roof and then those are the electrons that your house uses and so this idea of this distributed community solar thing might not make that much sense and there's only some states you can build in right let's go like all the way down to like let's go renewable energy credits and vppas let's do this (laughs) (laughs) um it's always (laughs) tough to know how deep to go because we could you know (laughs) Uh, we can learning... super geek out, but I think like high level, totally. how does this um, stuff work will be super yeah. useful for people. Short story is like the utility cannot tell me which electrons are lighting, you know, firing my my laptop up or in the light bulbs above me. They don't, it, the physics of an electron is an electron, electron. When it goes into a pool, it sort of gets lost. Mm-hmm. And even sometimes in those rooftop cases, you're not consuming your own electrons. You're spitting back out to the grid or pulling from the grid. Um, so what community solar is, is on my distribution grid. So in the poles and wires in my neighborhood, someone builds a solar project, interconnects it. So it's feeding clean electrons into that grid. And those electrons get lost. They're part of the grid. Mm-hmm. Now, it's offsetting. If you need, uh, you need 100 electrons and I just added 10 that are clean, you're directly offsetting the need for 10 fossil electrons. So you're, you're immediately impacting the grid. Um, 
And effectively with community solar, it becomes a financial transaction. The customer is buying power both from the grid, but directly from that project, right? And the clean electrons from that project. Now, we as the intermediary is the tech platform. We're helping doing all the accounting, all the billing, and all the management of those electrons flowing, you know, understanding how many electrons flowed into the grid, how much value was created, and then a customer paying for it. Um, and so it is, it's a complex transaction, of course, but it, and it's virtual. Um, and you may not be consuming the exact electrons that came from that project, but the customer in buying power, by paying that project through our platform is helping build a new clean energy project on the grid. Right. And there's this concept called like additionality so that the more you build, yeah. the more fossil fuel based electrons you can replace over time. And you can totally see when we I feel like when we describe it in these words in this way, you can completely see why like, oh, obviously you need software to do that. Yeah, I mean, the really the simplest way to think about it is it's rooftop solar just in a field in in your neighborhood. Right. Or like yeah. upstate New York, it seems like is where they all are. <laughs> There's a lot of it up there. That's that's for sure. And we're seeing and like, you know, at the end of the day, too, not everyone owns a roof. Not everyone's going to live in a home for 20 odd years. Um, and yeah. so and the, the community solar at the end of the day is actually like it's the most equitable clean energy product. I think rooftop solar has been a like it's it's a rich person's product kind of has been for a long mm -hmm. time. And what's amazing is we're able to give people who are in apartments or um, low income customers who've never had access direct bill savings. Uh, there's no long term commitment. You're not have to like take out a new mortgage. Um, it's frankly like the best clean energy product in America. So we went we went really deep, and we like I said we manage almost you know, almost half of all the residential focused community solar megawatts in the country. Wow. How yeah. many projects is that or megawatts? It's over 500 different projects across yeah. 15 states. Um, and, and like, you know, even before the IRA passed, it was mm -hmm. the fastest growing, you know, from a small base, but fastest growing segment of solar for all the reasons I described. Uh, Post IRA, we're going to see, you know, there's specific incentives that just make community solar like maybe even the best infrastructure project in America because you're getting all these tax credits as a developer. You're getting uh, economies of scale by building larger projects and you get to sell power to a retail customer like you or I who end mm -hmm. up who are paying some of the highest prices for power in the country. Right. Um, okay. So that's. And then as a consumer, like someone can just go to Arcadia yeah. and sign up for this anywhere. Are there geographic restrictions? Like, do you have to be located near? A, yeah. Like, some like everything in energy, it, right? It's, it can never be as simple. Um, right? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, uh, so, and it goes back to what you said about interconnection, right? Um, yeah. You can't just build a project and plug it into the grid in every state. And so states have to pass rules uh, and legislation that says, a community solar developer can build and can interconnect and can sell that power to you or I. And there's, there's 16 states in the US that have that today. California just opened their market. Uh, and we should have the first projects flowing in 24, which is super exciting. Hot damn. We got a lot yeah. of sunny spots. Oh, yeah. Not a lot of people. And a, in lot, them. And a lot of people <laughs> who, yeah, it, it's, you know, California was already the best solar state in America with rooftop, but with community, um, 
it's it's going to be an amazing you know for all the multifamily properties and people who can't access it's going to be a really huge market um but it does require that regulatory change because because we've been living in a monopoly you know own generation world and that that's changing but slowly i feel like too as long as we're saying this about utilities we should say like these are regulated monopolies. These are not, this is not an accidental monopoly where they got really big, like an Amazon or a Facebook. These are monopolies that have been explicitly, at least in California and some other states, allowed and incentivized to exist that way. And that's why some of this is so difficult because it's not just about enabling regulation in some states. It's about removing regulation that was written into law with the helping hands of some of these util- utilities. I mean, they're not all in favor of this. No. Uh, and, and it's a great point. I'll, I'll step back for a second. So I, uh, you know, most climate tech founders will tell you they're like dyed in the wool environmentalists. And I care deeply about the environment, but I actually came to energy work through politics. Because hmm. when I worked on Capitol Hill, right out of college, I, I had an um, amazing job working for uh, a congressman. And when I learned about, you know, regulatory capture, and the structure of these monopolies, uh, and the fact that you couldn't just provide power to your neighbor or plug in a, a new clean energy project. To me, it is, yeah, the market structure is is just broken. Um, and obviously, technology is one way to unlock that innovation. Um, and I feel like you know regulators are always a step behind the market. Um, but I think because of all the focus on climate decarbonization, you're seeing a lot of, you know, one of the most powerful entities in America is your local public service commission. And it's kind of a crazy thing to say, Uber realized that with cabs. And I think the entire climate tech world is realizing that now with energy. Okay, listen, if you follow this podcast, you know that retail investors have taken the financial world by storm over the past two years with tools like commission-free trading apps and robo-advisors. But it still feels a lot of times like the deck is stacked in favor of the big institutional players that keep profiting at the expense of you, the retail investor, especially if you care about things like climate or governance or how the companies you're investing in treat their employees and the world at large. Well, Fennel is a new mobile investing app that puts the power of conscious investing in your hands. The Fennel app allows you to buy and sell stocks and ETFs and at the same time gives you comprehensive data to inform your investment decisions and manage your portfolio and your impact. Fennel also provides company ESG metrics. So whether you want to know about a company's carbon footprint or the gender breakdown of its board of directors, Fennel has all of that covered. Maybe you want to see if a company has a policy on child labor or has been in the news recently for overpaying its executives. Fennel makes it easy to do all of that. The best part? Fennel encourages retail investors like you and me to participate in shareholder votes. We're owners. We can have a say in the companies that we invest in. Join the Fennel waitlist now and get your first month free at fennel.com slash twist. That's fennel.com, F-E-N-N-E-L.com slash twist to join the waitlist and get your first month free. So then, okay, so that is the kind of Arcadia network part of things. And it sounds like what you're trying to do with Arc, what you're trying to do with this API and this platform is enable other solutions like that? Like, can you give us some examples of things that have been built on top of that network? Totally. So, um, and that's exactly right. We, we, we had so many people 
you know, in the last few years, knocking on our doors saying, how are you getting this data? Um, can we use it? That it was amazing to come back to the original idea, unlock this platform for, for companies. So I'll give you a couple of different examples. Um, you know, I'm a rooftop solar company. I may knock on your door and say, hey, I want to install solar storage and EV charging in your home. They can get the home energy data, the rates and tariffs, and give you a proposal that's actually accurate that shows you cash flows over 20 years. Another example is a, a battery business that's installing just batteries behind the meter, let's say in a, in a commercial building to know when to push and pull power based on the distribution rate, time of use rates. We have an EV company uh, that we'll be announcing soon that is within their app, basically going to tell you what's the cheapest charge and what's the least carbon intensive charge. Mm. Um, and you just push a button and we take care of all the calculations behind the scenes. And then carbon accounting. I think most of the... Yeah, talk more about that. That's interesting that that's becoming a big part of this. I mean, it's not that surprising, but considering we don't have a price on carbon, like I wonder how people are figuring yeah, it out. Yeah, so we are... Uh, if you'd asked me two years ago, I wouldn't even known this was going to be a use case. Um, mm -hmm. But most of the carbon accounting for the built environment today is sort of made up. It's all estimates. It's, hey, 12 Main Street kind of looks like 50 Main Street. Maybe the weather's the same. We're just going to say this is how much energy they used. And the thing is, we're sitting on the actual energy usage from the meter 24-7, 365. And you just take that data set that we pipe in and you map it to carbon and you have an accurate auditable view right. of, and that word like, you know, might be the most important because we keep hearing from CFOs. <laughs> you saw me be like, uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> auditable. <laughs> like, you know, there's a lot of people running around, you know, saying, you know, all this stuff is mushy, et cetera. And it's like, all right, here's the data to make it work. And so, yeah, I think I think our platform should become sort of the standard for the built environment. You know, uh, you know, you should not be able to do carbon accounting unless you have that raw utility data, primary source data. Um, and it should, you know, we we are simply the data provider. So we, you know, we provide data to companies like Salesforce's Net Zero Cloud. Um, we're working with Persephone, Watershed. Um, all the major sort of full ESG providers were just the the data input so they can um, produce produce accurate reports. In a post IRA world, do you expect that that carbon accounting part of your business and potentially a post SEC regulations around reporting? Do you expect that that part of your business will leapfrog even maybe some of the other, you know, renewable energy parts of the business? I mean, it is, uh, it's the fastest growing part of the business today. It yeah. cuts across every major enterprise, public, and I think eventually private too, who need to report to investors and boards. Um, it, it will become, yeah, it, if it becomes standard, um, you know, it will become wildly important. And we also have, you know, one of the things is we're seeing companies in Europe, right, pull up gas data back during the crisis or uh, what they were anticipating the crisis in, in Europe, um, you know, to be able to understand how we transition. So that the data being used for carbon accounting, I don't, 
despite whatever the SEC might do, it's sort of a it's sort of a runaway train. I think every enterprise, every investor, every board is thinking about it anyway. Right. Even private companies. I'm hearing more and more and more solutions being aimed at private companies because they're realizing they've got somebody that they want to partner with or some potential customer who's like, you have to have this. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think I think it's become necessary. I think, you know, and we're hearing from investors, like uh, mostly for larger businesses, like if you're not, if this isn't auditable, if it's, there's no assurance to it, then we're not going to consider it real. Right. And so, um, yeah, huge opportunity, not just for us, but frankly, to make sure that all this stuff is like not just greenwashing. Right. This is not just, hey, a made up estimate. We're going to move on now, um, which I think a lot of it was the last few years. I wonder too, like, this is a little bit of an aside, but not really. Like, we know that one of the most impactful and boring solutions is just sheer efficiency, right? Less yes. usage which is such an easy sell in so many ways because it saves people money. It saves businesses money to use less energy, to be more efficient. And yet without that raw data, like it's, you know, that's the shock you need to go like, wait a second, I used how many? I used what? And I paid what? <laughs> and like, I wonder to what extent you're able to or interested in, or do you outsource, like, do you bundle it with insights that just say, hey, if you were actually more efficient, you'd save this so, much money in these many, you know, tons. One of my uh one of my favorite customers is a company called Butterfly that goes to franchises, think like Subway. Mm -hmm. And basically set, you know, uses our platform to pipe in data, understand how they used energy and benchmark it against weather, and then they go to them and say, "Hey, I'll fix your bill at let's say 500 bucks a month or I'll give you a 10% discount if you let me do XYZ for free. And you know, people are like, uh, sure, savings, great. And no problem. Um, yeah. And like energy efficiency, you know, then it becomes a monetizable asset because you have data that mm -hmm. shows how how this place was using energy before we did the measure, how it's using energy after. I can go get financing to go, you know, install those lights or the switches or whatever that made the place more efficient. Um so no, I agree with you. And I think efficiency, because I, I also came from that world. That was part of my last company. I think it always struggled from data. Like you could do mm -hmm. things and people would always say, well, maybe that would have happened anyway. Right. <laughs> maybe. Or like, I feel yeah. good about it, but I don't know if it mattered. Yeah. Right. And to be able to actually say like, yeah, you lowered, you lowered your demand charge, you lowered your overall energy usage, and here's the data to back it up. That makes it monetizable. Mm -hmm. And I think that's like a huge unlike. We're seeing a number of companies use our platform um, effectively to do that. And I think um, you're hearing a lot of businesses to, um, you know, try to create new credits, new financing. Basically, if this building used energy during less carbon intensive times, and I can prove it, that should generate a credit that someone else is willing to pay for. So I think yep. there's all sorts of new models that come out of just like having data that never existed before. Oh, it's all so interesting. I love it. Yeah. Um, talk about the journey. So you have been at this a while, you said about eight years in, you have a hostile industry, incumbent industry, you have a hard story to tell, right? You're coming, you're either starting or coming right out of the kind of clean tech 1.0 bust, I would assume. And it's just complicated. Like what was the, now you're sitting here 
you've got this great valuation, you've raised a lot of money, you're the you're the like the one I think a lot of of software developers in this space aspire to. But tell us how you got here. Yeah, I mean, I've since I since college have been really focused on energy, right? This is I mean, you even said it. It's like and my I'm I'm still learning about energy markets. Like it's such a deep and complex um space. I think the conviction early on was just around uh there is literally we will not see the pace of innovation or deployment if this data did not exist, right? Mm-hmm. If this data was not available. And nothing has changed. And you're right. Fundraising in the early days was super hard, right? Like I see people raising at like 15, 20 cap seeds, even now. Yeah. And like, you know, uh, I think our first round was at three, right? You're like, like I shake my tiny fist at God. Yeah. <laughs> so like I've seen it. I just think it's um to me, like I still think we're we're running our own race. Like we're we have this breadth now too, that's ten thousand utilities worldwide. There's no reason to uh, go anywhere else. You can pick up a single API and get all this data. Um, you know, there's been it's highly regulated, even community solar, right? Tons of fits and starts to that business. Is a state mm-hmm. gonna open up? How's it gonna be structured? Um, but I I fundamentally believe, you know, this is the biggest software opportunity in energy, is unlocking the incumbent. And I think you could, you know, some people could argue that that was true in fintech with, you know, over time, we'll see around payments and, and, uh, you know, connecting to payments networks or connecting to incumbents with Plaid. Like, it just feels like we cannot actually decarbonize fast enough unless someone solves this. Mm-hmm. And so put aside all the fundraising and like the, the, the painful sort of regulatory bumps. It, it's just, that's sort of a, a conviction. I think everyone at this company has is like, unless the 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 core infrastructure data becomes available we're just not gonna we're not gonna be able to decarbonize fast enough and then finally just talk about that software opportunity because i've been trying to evangelize i I think this i talked to you know like a young person who was like yeah my friend wants to start a climate company but like they don't know anything about carbon capture or hydrogen and i was like dude (laughs) if you want to start an investable super impactful climate company like there are a million software solutions out there that need to be built like just help us get this message out that this is that you can't i mean this this is the world we live in right like you cannot accomplish anything without software otherwise you just have like dead assets and hardware yeah totally i look i think there's um there's there's so many different parts of the value chain that uh like look what we're doing like i said the alternative is manual or estimates or you know and it's it's software sort of makes that job easier i think mm-hmm. you know data obviously well, software like, gives it trust like it's not even just yeah. unmanageable right like it's like you said it's greenwashing software yeah. is what makes it actually reliable totally Real. there there's huge opportunities still in aggregation of assets right mm-hmm. to and you see a bunch of companies in the space and and I still think there's there's a ton of opportunities to aggregate different assets. In fact, the other day I saw um, uh, a company that uh, hasn't launched yet, but is um, looking to aggregate water heaters as assets in power markets. Like there's there's still so many opportunities there. There's tons See, of opportunities. I love that stuff. Describe. Yeah. Go back and I love that stuff. Describe how that would work. 
like how each water heater is actually a little battery, right? Like a little yeah, little exactly. energy storage yeah, yeah. Uh, device. Yeah, we're going to get nerdy again. So Let's every every water heater is a thermal battery in your basement. Uh, you don't need 100% of the hot water that's in that tank uh, unless your family's showering, right? And so if you put a little controller on it, tell it to only heat 50% of the water because, you know, you understand behavior in the home. You can get paid in power markets for managing all of that electricity uh, and actually a thing called frequency markets, which is like the quick on off frequency regulation. So there's all sorts of like opportunities and you need software to manage, let's say 10,000 of those devices, the data to aggregate it. Now, I think another really big opportunity is just making workflow simpler and easier. If you're a commercial solar developer, you're dealing with a lot of paperwork, a lot of mm -hmm. back and forth with banks and lawyers and accountants. Um, and there's like so much opportunity to just make that process simpler. Um, and, and that's like an easy software problem that I think has been solved, you know, across other industries. So there's a ton of stuff out there. I, I, um, yeah, it doesn't all have to be new chemistry and, uh, you know, really yeah. hard climate stuff. Yeah. And it can be like wonky financial tools. I promise I'm not going to like take a <laughs> Yeah. But I mean, th that's the stuff. The, and the IRA. I, so I, I have this fundamental belief that I also, uh, you know, every new industry is sort of born out of some regulatory arbitrage. Uh, mm -hmm. And that could even be true. That's true about social media platforms. And the fact that, I mean, it's at the Supreme Court right now. They're talking about, you know, is a social media platform a publisher, right? Right. And the IRA just unlocked massive new problems to solve, uh, whether it's tax equity, making that simpler. Um, so, you know, I would encourage if there are founders listening to this, like, go deep in the IRA, go find, go find your, your hole to plug. I love that. Yep. All right. Kieran Batraju is the CEO and co-founder of Arcadia. Thank you so much for the time and the geeking out. I love it. You got to understand, like, you know, the money is made in the, the markets that no one else understands i think the crypto bros showed us that so like now do that in energy <laughs> yeah except our stuff is real thank you exactly. molly i exactly. appreciate it <laughs> <laughs> Take thanks care. so much